reach into people, amazing people, well-educated people, and they ask you stuff like, so do you have a lion? And you're like, where did you get that from? <laughs> and it could be, at first, when I was in India, all those things used to be offensive, I was still full of ego, I was young, I thought I was cool from Uganda, until I realized I wasn't. So you start understanding that people are innocent, but they're innocently racist, and I don't know what kind of what that is, but it's that. Mujewale, mujewale, mujewale. My name is Bane Kibuka and welcome to another episode of the Ugandan Ball Talk Show. What's uh, up, my brother? I'm, How are you doing? I'm really, really fine. I'm really fine. I'm so sorry that we missed the time, you know? <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Oh. So I woke up this morning and then I opened yes. my phone and I see, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, are you there? <laughs> I'm like, what? Did I miss something? And then I check the calendar. The calendar is saying 2028. I'm like, I check yes. out messages that I sent you later and they were like 28th. So then in my head, I'm like, oh, they're 11 hours ahead of us. So that means that was 11 hours ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I figured you out. I realized that maybe you missed it. I, I, I make that mistake. When it's the 28th here, it's mm-hmm. the 27th in the States. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but at least no. That that was that was that was my bad. That was my bad. I I was like, I'm really so I'm really good at like keeping time on appointments and like Mm. good at that. But the way I missed that, that was I was like, dang, you know, there's no way I missed that. Like, I told my wife this morning, I'm like, I miss it. She's like, yeah, you could have thought about that. Seriously, I thought you had done me the Ugandan thing. I'm like, this is wrong, okay? This yeah. is wrong. <laughs> it can't happen. I called my wife. She was like, did you do the podcast? I'm like, yeah, but I think he has played the Ugandan thing on me. He didn't keep the time. Yeah. I was just like, but I know. <laughs> that's, that's I know funny. just... It was interesting. It's, you just it's funny you called it. It's funny you called it a Ugandan thing because I just recorded a podcast with another guy from Uganda, but he's in the yeah. states, and um, yeah. So we were supposed to record a nine, and then he, I mean, he he ta- he explained the reason why he was late. But I made a joke on him when I came, like, hey, so you can tell a Ugandan by the time by how to keep <laughs> time. So, yeah, we just need to keep our roots going. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's no, awesome. but, but John, uh, Mochiri, welcome to my podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's really a, a pleasure. And I'm humbled, by the way, that you All considered right. me to be in your podcast, man. I'm humbled. Yeah. I'm humbled. I, th- I think I feel the same way. Like, I'm humbled. Like, um, I don't even know how I got connected to you through Instagram. I don't know. I think the mutual friend was the Valus podcast. I think that's what yes. it all happened because um, yes. I connected with him and then that's how I got connected to you. Um, yes. And I've been following your your work that you do. It's it's amazing. And today, thank you. when I bring guests on my podcast, I usually have like interview questions. I do research on them. But like, <laughs> re- recently, recently, yeah. I've started yeah. on just doing freestyle, kind of just... Yes. getting surprised on the on the podcast and just teaching myself that because when I do the interview questions it kind of pushes me and takes me 
like it makes me just focus on the questions I have on my paper. Whereas yeah, yeah. with a freestyle, I want to listen and from what yeah. you say, then I can ask questions from that. And it flows better when it's natural than than planned. So that's, no, that's, that, that's, that's right. Yeah. But that's yeah. Mm. So uh, to, to begin the podcast, I just want to get a little bit about your background. And um, I know <laughs> with, with the name Mochibi, you're from Uganda. Actually, one of my cousins, one of my cousins is, is, is Mochibi. Mochibi, yes. what did you Okay. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes yes. sense. But yes. I want to know a little bit about your, your background, especially the Ugandan background before you move yeah. where you are. We'll get to that part yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was born in Uganda, raised and I was raised there. I went to school in Uganda. Uh, I was born around, I grew up, I grew up around Machinga. So if you know Machinga, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I grew up. I grew up around I used to roam the streets. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, do you know the guy Jesse? Jesse Tennis. Uh, oh Jesse! I know Jesse. He's yeah. we've been friends for ages. <laughs> he's he's from much India. Yeah, he's yeah we've been India. friends for ages. We've been friends for ages, and I like his music. And yeah, he's doing so well. And we've really been friends for for some good time. And we have mutual friends, childhood mutual friends. So, and us both, having grown up from church, we share a few friends. Somehow yeah. we get to, 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 to know each other. Yeah, so yeah. as I was saying, yeah, I grew mm-hmm. up around much India, grew up from a pastor's family. I went to good schools, for that I went to good schools. Um, uh, did my primary school at the Bright and Boarding School. Then uh, did my secondary at Seroma Christian High School. Seroma. And then, yeah, I moved to, to India okay. to do my university. So that's how life begins. And after right. university. Um, so do you have any, any siblings? Of course I do. Of course I do, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are six. We are actually six, and I'm the second last born in my in my family. So okay, yeah, we yeah, are three, that's a... three girls and three uh-huh. boys. Yeah, I was gonna be surprised because there's no African family that doesn't have like siblings. And for most of the people I've hosted a podcast from six and above, and like yeah, that's <laughs> Africa. <laughs> I know, but gone are the days, man. Life yeah, you, I know. You get six um, kids, mm-hmm. it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, we are only two, me and my brother, uh, my oh. big brother, Benjamin. So we're only two boys, and my parents only had two boys. But my dad, he's like, I was going to actually ask you, you mentioned you grew up in a pastor's family. I grew up in a pastor's yep. family. My oh, dad is a that pastor. Yeah, that, that, my dad's that a pastor. And he has like a, a girl's home with the church ministry what they do okay. so that's kind of okay. how i have other siblings through the church and, and okay the- for sure for sure i get that man we have a lot of people i mean yeah growing up i could get back home from body school and you met all these kids are like who is this and they're like mm-hmm. oh this who is this and that's how <laughs> life has been okay right and yeah. so <laughs> and so going to the university every time you come back to uganda you meet all these kids are like who is this i don't mm-hmm. even know 
who to bring for a gift or anything. So I'm just right. going to bring gifts. I used to just bring gifts from my mom and my dad before he passed away. I'm like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, <laughs> but it's good to be around such a family. It's really so good. I know yeah. you, you kind of touched it a little bit, but like, what was your experience like growing up in a, in a pastor's family? I mean, I have my own uh, experience. I want to hear what, what yours Honestly, were. honestly, that's a, that's a topic that's so, that's so personal to me, which I like to discuss for sure. And I think it's something I'm really going to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, I don't want to blame my dad. Uh, mm-hmm. He did what he knew, you know. Mm-hmm. And for that, I think as I become a dad, as I've become a dad, I've understood that they didn't know much. But you see how we go, how we grew up. We grew up in a good family. Honestly, it was a good family. Does that make sense? I can't mm-hmm. even, people admired us. But you realize having a father who is the father to everyone, you start missing out a few things. Yep. And I think for me as a man, uh, uh, it started um, affecting me in a certain way. So growing up, I had all these big dreams and I still have them. But somehow because of the community we were surrounded with, you were somehow expected to run the church too. And mm-hmm. I didn't say I didn't like it, but I knew it wasn't me. Right. But the way to express that till today, I still struggle with that. So I realized that I need to create my own voice, you know, to be like, hey, I know this is what you expect from me, but I just have to unlearn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm still struggling with it sometimes because you realize that this this is the move that has just taken me to this side of personal development. Where can my voice be? Because I don't Mm -hmm. see myself being in a church. I don't see that. I I hate it, honestly. I hate it. That's the same thing. I'll I'll, I'll cut you short a little bit there because that's the same thing I went through. My dad's a pastor and everybody thinks that your dad being a pastor, you're going to be a pastor. And I remember when I was moving out, when I was coming to the United States, my dad would be like, oh, you're going to... and I've, I've, I've preached a church, like I've spoken at church, I've done teaching kids. And, you know, every time yeah, you speak, yeah. people will be like, oh, yeah, you're such a good speaker. Like, you, have you yeah. considered being a pastor? I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad was, I told my dad I would never be a pastor because you mentioned something yes. about when you run a church, it takes away yeah. a lot of your time that you have to attend to all these other people. And sometimes you get locked in into that, which I, I think yeah. my dad has been in that too. Like he gets locked in into a lot of members in the church, which is, it is his duty. Like he has to do yep. that. Yep. Yep. But sometimes it takes him a lot. Like you mentioned, like you being a father right now, you see that like sometimes you need time to your kids, which was not really. It's not, like it's not even yeah. sometimes, bro. It's all the time. Yeah. It's all the time. First thing that struck me, uh, my current wife, then she was my fiance, you know, we go uh, and visit them. I go, you know, they come and visit us in Uganda. So we move, we just go to Uganda to see the family and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went to see, to visit them at their beach house in Kenya. And these guys were a family. They spoke about everything. Mm-hmm spoke about money so someone broke a glass in the house and she was like hey I broke that glass was like wait the people do this so and I knew that there was that side of family but I saw it in movies okay and I knew right. you know we're trained to be hard and they right. realized that 
as a man, I had to lose that hardness. I thought manhood is all about. And I had to understand that, you know what? This takes away from us, especially black kids. And leave alone the black kids, especially black kids who grew up in the church. And you realize that the problem is not God. God is good. God is a good father. But, mm-hmm. And you realize that our fathers don't know any better too. Yeah. So you get caught up in that thing that only pastor's kids know what they go through, that nobody can really say it or tell it. Like recently my father died and <clears throat> yeah, we had to go back to Uganda. A lot of pastors in Uganda, big shots, everybody was there. They had all these amazing stories. And I couldn't say a lot about my dad, man. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know this guy. And it, mm-hmm. it pained me. I knew my dad wanted me to know about him, but it was all about church. Right. It doesn't make sense. Like he, mm-hmm. he likes yeah, you to, to know something, but all yeah. he wants you to know is to be involved in ministry. And it's good. Mm-hmm. But I knew that this is all what God has called me to do. I yeah. knew it deep inside me. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, so that's a <laughs> that, more. <laughs> that, that, that really, that really, uh, you bring up a very big, a good topic, which I didn't even plan to talk about, about like knowing our, like what we have in common. We like we're able to talk about it because some of the experience you go through, some of the experience I go through. The good thing about my dad is he doesn't force me into what he's doing. Like, and I'm, I'm open to him. I tell him, hey, dad. I don't think that's for me. Like, I don't, that's not what I want to do. And he knew when I was younger, like what I wanted to do. And, but don't get me wrong. And the listeners don't get us wrong. We love, like you mentioned, we, I love God. I love God a lot. Like yeah, nothing yeah, can yeah, yeah, take yeah. that out, out of me. And God has been blessing in my life and I love to serve him, but not as a pastor, but I can serve him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I'm so happy that you've embraced this side. Seriously, I know I have this side of me. Yeah. But I can, I know I have it. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's connected for church. Because right. I think the message we have is broader than church. And I think mm-hmm. that's, thing, that's one thing that we have forgotten. The message is broader than church. You see, I was listening to uh, somebody say, actually it was Jamal Brandt. And he was like, the church is 20 years behind the mm-hmm. world we are living in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> and I believe everybody's called to influence the world. I believe everybody's called to, 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 to create change and to impact. But if we are not going along with what is happening with the world, if you're not advancing with the world, the world is so fast. Mm-hmm. We are losing out on certain potential. So I don't want to be around people who are slow, not mm-hmm. in a bad way, Okay. You know, not in a bad way. But you see, there is much more. <clears throat> Doesn't make sense. There is much mm-hmm. more. Right. And I believe that much more, someone has to put it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. what you're doing, look at your podcast, interview, bring all these stories from all the Ugandans around the world. Man, that's beautiful, bro. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Uh, that, that's someone has to tell of- a story. That's the same thing I was going to say about you, which you make a very good point. Like not all of us, not everybody is called to be in the church, but like what you do too, yeah. like your inspiration, just waking up every yeah. day, like, Hey, somebody out there needs to, to hear this. And like, we all, like we, we, we not only just grow spiritually, but we grow 
through other things in life too like yeah we need to grow spiritually <laughs> to know about god but we yes. need to grow about finance we need to grow about relationships we need to grow about like Bruh. many different ways and if everybody is making one person grow in one area then what about the other areas like who is going to be there to teach and that's how you come in like to impact people's lives in other way and that's it you see I'm sorry to, to go to, to this direction, but you see, Africans pray. Africans pray a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah, they do. But the results of the prayer that Africans pray are so little. And for me, growing up from family, where people pray, for me, yeah, yeah, I've seen a certain side. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That it takes God to convince me that this is the only way out. Mm-hmm. So I travel as a young child, I go, I see this beautiful life from people we were told were sinners. I was like, something is wrong. These people live a certain life that's so admirable. Mm-hmm. That's so admirable, but they don't believe in our God. What is the secret? And of course, though, you know, how people interpret stuff and interpret, I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't tell me that that guy is driving a Ferrari and is sad according to you, and you've not even been inside his federal to see if he's sad. Those guys are not sad. Mm-hmm. So we, we psych our brains with all these beautiful things to, 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 to seal our mediocrity, you know? You know, that kind of thing where we seal mm-hmm. our ignorance and, uh, and we think that's the truth yeah. just because we can't even explain why it's the truth, but, you know, they're sad. But those people are not sad. I've been around those people. Those people are happy. Mm-hmm. Those people are happy. So you realize that what do they know that we don't know? We are so unbalanced in certain ways. You realize that Africans press so much. The way that continent prays, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If those prayers were equal to infrastructure, we would be the richest. Mm-hmm. But we are still the richest continent in everything. Manpower, right. energy. Minerals. So you realize that there is a certain side we've not given heed to as Africans, as a continent, mm-hmm. that needs to be up. Look at us. How many kids do you know are in mouth media? You know, how many African kids are hitting it on YouTube? Right. And all these things disturb me as a creator. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. one person can do everything. How many African bloggers do you know? How many African writers do you know? And yes, the system is not set for Africans, but somebody has to tell our story. Yep. And it has to be us. Mm-hmm. That's definitely so, right. And that's why we're here. That's why we come in. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I get excited. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to have you and the opinion you have. Like, I really respect people's opinion and the views that you bring up. These open our minds and like, I'm really happy like to grow, to learn from somebody like you. Um, you do most of the same thing I do. Like you coming out there to bring inspiration to the people and telling them, hey, you can do- live life like this way. Um, but yeah, uh, to go back into your story, like, you mentioned you went yes, to sir. India uh, for university. Yep. <laughs> what, what did you What did you go to India to study? Um, so the plan is, I wanted to be a pilot. Okay, so I okay. I got admitted to China in China. You know, you know how it is. You come from those kind of families. You know, you expected much is expected of you. And if God has blessed you enough, 
there is some money, you, you know, it can be done. And so, yeah, I, I get everything ready for China. Somehow it didn't work as I expected it to. So I moved to India, I really loved computers. I really loved computers with a passion, okay? Mm -hmm. So somehow my parents agreed to the Indian deal and India was half of whatever it was, you know? So I moved to India and man, that's where the shock began. You see, growing up in Africa, when you're quite blessed in a certain way, people respect you. You know that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. People mm -hmm. respect you. Somehow, people respect yeah. you. Just, mm -hmm. you know, if your dad has a Pajero, kind of people respect you. That's true. I went to <laughs> India and everybody thought I was a monkey. It took away my ego. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> so India humbled me. I realized I wasn't important as I was. That's the first lesson I learned from India. So that yeah. turned this kid into, I don't know, my story is about India more emotional, but yeah. they made me a man, you know, mm -hmm. people were just evil in a certain way. Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> people were kind of evil in a certain way, but I still met the most loving people in India that till today, those people still have been my parents. They still love me. They still call me that even they fly to Bangkok to visit me. So there is these two spectrums. Mm -hmm. But what I got from India was, you learn that the world does not relate around you. And I mm -hmm. think that's a problem we have as Africans. And I'm sorry, I use Africans because I've been around many of them, okay? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? So I see it. In no, it's, it's most of it. most of African countries are kind of the same. Like we all do the same thing. Like when you yeah 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 when you call it Africa, it's everybody will, will kind of understand. Yeah, so that's what I think I got from India. It was harsh. It was tough. It was tough, man. I grew up. I grew up. It was tough. Do you think? But, um, mm. Do you think like that? People thinking you're a monkey was that? I mean, some people can relate that to racism. Do you think you will take it like that? No. I think Indians are racist. And I think we don't have to pretend that people are not racist. You see, Ugandans are just Indians. Well, we polite to them, no. Okay, so when Indians consider us racist, we can't defend and be like, no, 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 it happened, okay? <laughs> so Indians are racist in nature, but it's more of institutional racism and discrimination that's just taught. Because in India, there were still custom uh, culture that certain costs are very high, other costs are so low, certain people like our cleaners couldn't come in and couldn't come into our gate with their shoes, they could leave the shoes at the gate. So you saw that even among even the Indian people, they were discriminating. So what about you an African? Mm -hmm. How do you explain that? Moreover from yeah. Uganda. So I yeah. think they were racist, but not everyone is a racist there. Mm -hmm. I need to make that clear. Yeah, because yeah, I met please. the most amazing people till today from India. I would say the same thing about the United States. Like, yeah, mm. these, and I mean, everybody in the world hears about United States racism. <laughs> like, I think United States is like yes. the top, like a top country. <laughs> but that doesn't take away that there are some people who are not racist. My wife is American. She's white. Like she's, so there and her family loves me like i work yes, my, the, pl the place where i work i'm the only black person there and they're all white and they're all americans but they mm. treat me like i'm just one of them which was not the case at the place that i worked last year 
Last year, I worked at a, uh, you mentioned you wanted to be a pilot. I'm actually an aircraft mechanic. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, but, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I work on private jets and like maintenance them, like fix them and, and all that. I've flown two before, but then I chose to be a mechanic. So other than being a pilot. But that's good. The, the place I worked at uh, last year, they I was the only black person there, and those guys would make you feel like you are the only black person in the building because of the <laughs> way they treat you, the way yeah. everything is done. But like where I'm working right now, I'm the only black person mm. there. But sometimes I forget mm. I'm the black person there because everybody treats you yeah. the same way. So that's a comparison that yes. you can work in the same situations like you're the only black person but then the people make you feel different than the other so not everybody's a racist but that doesn't take away that there are some racist people like yeah. wherever we are so that's what I'll, I'll take away from that and um yeah. so what happened with your dream to be a pilot i really didn't like it it was my dad's dream and it's a good thing you know yeah I, yeah you know what i mean but i think we we got the opportunity to choose I think that's one thing I'm so grateful for my parents. Yes, they were Ugandan, you know, they were not any different, but they gave us an opportunity to choose, you know. Uh, honestly, I appreciate that. And you realize that you go out and you meet other black kids and you, you realize you're so different, you know. You play tennis, you play hockey, and you're like, hey, you're so white, you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you're like, you like swimming, you snorkeling, and you realize that you do things black people don't do. And actually, I've seen that when I'm away from Uganda, but yeah. that was normal at home. So That's true. I'm so grateful that they gave us that opportunity not to see that until I travel and you're somewhere and you're like, you're black. And so what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> but that they're all lessons to us. So, yes, uh, yeah, they all listen. Some, some, some of the things you say hit home for me because, like, hanging out like in America, I go back to Uganda and say, like, oh, you're so white. America, he's now American. He doesn't do this. <laughs> but, like, sometimes you just like some of these things are just good for you. Um, yeah. So, uh, about your family, you mentioned in the beginning yes, that you have your own family. Um, yep. Tell us about, about your family and how you. Yeah. So, I have, first of all, I have a beautiful wife. She is amazingly beautiful. And uh, yeah, we met in Bangkok uh, at, a sax, sax, at, a, at a jazz bar. I like to play bass, I like to play drum. I like music, you know, and she likes music and she comes from a heritage of music. Her dad is like a big shot in the UK, you know, where he's from. He's an amazing guy. He's been on orchestras around Italy. So they just come from a heritage of music. And the beautiful part about it, she's white, British, but her grand, her, no, her mom was white Kenyan. Oh. Okay? Yeah, because so I, I remember strike. you mentioned something about Kenya. I'm like, is your wife from Kenya? So that's I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that struck the whole thing. So I meet, I meet this white girl who is so African. I'm like, she wants to walk. I don't want to walk. Okay. <laughs> she was like, but you walk. I'm like, we didn't walk. We didn't <laughs> like walking. Walked. We didn't like walking. Okay. We had, I was like, wait, we had cars and we're taking to school. We didn't walk around like you. She also, but she grows in Kenya, where they come from. 
it's along the beach, beautiful place in Malindi. So she sees the normal Africans, okay? Uh, I don't want to say normal, but you know what I mean? You, you know, if you're African listening, you understand what you mean. So she sees that normal life. But somehow if you've grown up in certain families, somehow you are protected from that life in a certain way. You don't even know until you're away from Africa. You're like, wow, I'm grateful that my parents gave me the opportunity to, to, to see these things as normal, yet they're not. Mm-hmm. So one day we were, so we, we dated and that East African connection kind of just linked us up. She speaks more Swahili than I do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we fly to Kenya, we are the airport and everybody's like, hey, I'm like, I don't speak Swahili. <laughs> and then it's like, your white wife is Swahili. It looks so weird to the Kenyans, okay? But I'm like, just don't judge me, okay? So, <laughs> that is funny. That is really funny. So she's that kind of, but yeah, so it's, she's a bit of, she's from the UK. So born and raised in the UK, but mom was white Kenyan. So all their life, they've been going to Kenya for all their lives. So they know so much about Kenya. And we've got an opportunity to always go there once in a while. And I have two kids. The first is Malaika Grace Muchiri. Beautiful. And then the next, my youngest daughter is Imelda Grace Muchiri. Yes, sir. So that's... That is that is interesting. I like family. I like the bit the bit of like when you're talking about your wife and where she's from. That that is funny. I was like, that's funny. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of things that are in common. In I can I would say like opposite. Um, my mom is Kenyan. My mom was born. Kenyan. Whoa! My my great, dad man. is Ugandan. So uh, my mom is Kalenjin. She's from Eldoret, and um, so we used to go to Kenya every time. I actually took my wife to Kenya in when when did we go last year? So we went there and I mean, I speak a little bit of Swahili. She, she only speaks English and some a little That's bit good. of French. But yeah, the experience uh, when I took her to Kenya, she, she liked it. And then I took her to Uganda. But yeah, she's, <laughs> born, she's born American. And her yeah. experience was when, because we drove from Uganda to Kenya. So wow. leaving, leaving the border, or at, mm. uh, I think it was Malaba, going into Kenya. Yeah. We were pulled over by the police, you know, like they yeah. pull you over and yeah. they saw there's a white lady in the car. So there was like, there's money it's in the car. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a Mazungu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. We need money. So, and she's terrified with police because the police in Africa, they yeah, carry yeah. these big guns, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah, they have yeah. this AK-47. She's like, oh my God, they're going to shoot us right now. She's like, uh, and they were asking for a bribe. But for me, it's normal because I'm used to that. Yeah, they pull yeah, you yeah. over, they want money, and then you can go back and forth with them. I'm not giving you money. You're giving me money. Give me this. Give me 10000 No, I'm giving you six. How about three? But all the time we were there, she was like, no, this is getting weird. This is getting weird. And she was mm. she was starting like to freak out and she was like money just give them whatever money they want and i feel bad to give uh, them that but yeah I, yeah i was yeah. understanding in her situation so that was a little bit of her experience in kenya but she was like next time oh. we're flying to kenya i'm not driving here again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's a good that's, one that's a good that's, one yeah um i've I've followed you on instagram i like the pictures of your family and you guys have a lot of fun you seem like you're a world traveler so you've been to like all places (laughs) but the one thing i wanted to ask was like 
How yeah. the heck then did you end up in Bangkok? Yeah, so the story goes, I come from India, so much into computers, I still love computers, just, you know. So I come with these plans. I want to develop Uganda, you know what I mean? You've seen the world, you've traveled a bit, you're like, you, you still have that, oh, I want something different. And so thank God I got an opportunity to work with investors uh, coming to Uganda. So uh, we brought in a few Thai investors uh, to construct roads in Uganda. And you know how things work in Uganda? The whole project has been stunned for years, but the technology is so good, so good, so cheap. It cuts over 70% of what we spend, you know, uh, but you know how things work. We went to offices here and there, here and there. So out of that frustration, it was like, these guys are not ready to change. So because I had already had connections in Thailand and I'd been a junior professor in India, so I came to Thailand and started teaching computers in a university. And since then, settled in Thailand, mm -hmm. I love it. I don't call it home because here, the way it is said, you don't get citizenship and you're just there to work mm -hmm. you make the money you make it. it's a beautiful tropical yeah. country amazing beaches oh my god yeah i see i see from uh, your pictures i'm like that is <laughs> that's good. like i would die to be there like i would i see from your pictures i'm like that's that's, that's amazing and uh so yeah. just right that's the kind of thing so yeah, yeah i got i i love it here so here in thailand i'm a teacher i'm a science teacher Stayed in teaching, focused in teaching, yeah. But the traveling part I do is something I love to do. You know, you know, Luganda, it's still part of me. It's still part of me. So, and because this place offers so much, and Southeast Asia offers so much, so the travel is so cheap. Not cheap, of course, but you know, it's a it's 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 affordable. You're, it's closer from here. You have Malaysia, you have Singapore, you have Indonesia, you have Taiwan, and all these countries have amazing beaches. We got next to Australia, all these are tropical beach countries. Right. So what else do you need, honestly? And yeah. That is, that, so that's, that's how really I good. get hooked up there. That, yes, sir. <laughs> that's really good. And happy for you. And I would like anybody. People who are listeners who are not even following you on Instagram, they should check out your Instagram page to understand a little bit from the pictures of what you're talking about, like all these uh, beautiful beaches and just seeing your beautiful family and you guys having fun. Um, on top Thank of you. that, you started yes. a podcast. Uh, is it the Shift? Um, yeah, the Shift podcast. Um, what made you start a podcast? Like, what I know we've talked a little bit about me having a podcast and bringing these stories, but like, what pushed you into the field and you're doing what you do now with the motivation and everything you do with the shift? Yeah, it started, thank you. It started with the traveling I used to do around. And I realized that I was the only black kid in all of those places I went to. And it bothered me, you know, it really bothered me. Uh, you could go, and a lot of times back then I was still young and cheap. I could stay in dormitories. And so you meet all these different people from all over the world, but you're the only black person there. And so you could get interesting questions, innocent, but interesting, and mm -hmm. can be offensive if you think the world rotates around you, you know. So that started the spicytraveler.com 
just documenting my journeys around the world as a black black kid okay mm-hmm. and then that just pushed me to realize that you know what nobody's gonna tell our story because you could reach into people amazing people well-educated people and they ask you stuff like so do you have a lion and you're like where did you get that from <laughs> and it could be at first when i was in india all those things used to be offensive I was still full of ego i was young i thought i was cool from uganda until i realized i wasn't so you start understanding that people are innocent, but they're innocently racist. And they don't know what kind of what that is, but it's there. And you realize, I was like, wow. And one time I was on this one beautiful island and I was who on the dormitory, sat down, you know, in the lobby. And then this girl walks in, she's like, hey, you know, when they say black person, they try not to be racist. They, they try to be like, hey, we advance, you know. We like you guys, you know, that kind of thing. You know, they, they try. Mm-hmm. And I understand. Some, yeah. I don't need that effort because I'm too wise than we are. But <laughs> you chill. You know, you, you chill. You, you don't want to make them uncomfortable. But, they, they, you know, mm-hmm. somebody in my business. So this amazing girl, beautiful girl, Canadian. She's like, so you speak African? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and that clicked. And I'm like, okay, this is wrong somebody has to tell our story somebody mm-hmm. has to share the stories about africa and that pushed me into just writing and after the writing on the spicy traveler.com uh it pushed me to be like you know people need to hear this and so but i realized that even though people needed to hear this there should be a purpose as to why mm-hmm. because you see, this space is so huge but I'm sorry, yeah, and I understand. But, but, but you realize that certain people, you know, control it. Yeah. And I was like, why? So those questions disturb me, you know. So that disturbance, like, we need an African voice mm-hmm. in this, that. And that's the same thing. That's the same thing that when you say it happened in India, it's the same thing happens in the U.S. and People ask you those questions. At first, like you said, at first, you're like, oh, maybe somebody doesn't know. But then it goes on to just somebody just trying to, I don't know what they, so there's a, there's a lady, he asked, she asked me, I don't know if she was trying to be nice or she was trying to be mean to me. She's like, have you ever seen a refrigerator? <laughs> That was like, oh my god i was like oh my god it's like yeah i've seen a refrigerator and she's like do you know how to use a refrigerator i'm like like what do you mean like i, I don't know sometimes those questions just get me off and i'm like i don't know if she's yep. trying to be mean but some people just yep. use that just to be mean against you like in, yep. in a bad yep. way i'm like sometimes yep. i yep. i can't tolerate something like that but um yeah, it's it's hard. I've never actually even thought about it. Like now that you're talking about it, I, I'm thinking like some people use these to just get to you. Um, there's a lot has happened to me in that in the area of like people asking. So, do you guys sleep on trees? How did you come to the US? Uh, oh do man! You, do you guys have cars in Uganda or like? I have a beautiful oh story. God. Finish. I'm sorry to. <laughs> no, like I was just giving you some of the examples of questions like people say here in the US. So in India, you know, in India, we like to ride bikes. You know what I mean? Big bikes, and it's my thing. 
So I'm with this big bike. So in India, when you have a big bike, you're respected. You're a big boy, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's it. And as a student, you know, with a little money, you know, your parents can afford a big bike. So I had a big bike. And so when they see it, it's a threat, which is okay. To them, it's a threat. Mm -hmm. But this black dude having this big bike. So one guy is like, how did you come to India? I was like, of course I fly into Africa. He's like, nay, nay, nay. He's like, no. I'm like, why? He's like, Africans cannot fly. I'm like, why? It's like, no, that's why you have big bikes. You rode your big bike from Africa and you put it on straight to India. So he believes that the reason why Africans can afford the big bikes is they use those bikes to ride from Africa get on a train in India and come to study. So I realized that how does even a man process that in his brain? Mm-hmm. A man who speaks English, a man who is educated. Exactly. Uh, it's those little things. Yeah. I was, I was like, wow. I was just going to say, actually, you just made, get, make, made me think of a point, like, especially the United States. I'll speak from the United States because that's where I live. Yes. yes. It's a first world country. They have access yep. to everything. They can yep. Google what's happening in Uganda today, tomorrow, yesterday. But like even people having access to that, that can help them educate themselves about what's happening in Uganda right now. They don't mm. do that. And that's what makes me think it's an insult because if somebody has a phone, has a computer, mm. they can Google like, hey, do they have cars in Uganda? Then they'll see cars in Uganda. Do they have refrigerators in Uganda? Then they'll see those. But if somebody ignores that education that they can get through the internet, mm. through like getting themselves learned, it's mm. it's makes me think that sometimes they just say it in a bad way. And you mentioned something. You said a bike, but in my last episode, I talked about no, actually the episode that I released with the Miss Uganda, I was yeah, talking about yeah. how um, how some people like working in the united states as an aircraft mechanic like mm. i'm from uganda a third world country but here am i yeah. in the united states working with the americans and making the same amount of money so they see that as a threat and you say something like that like in, when you have something nice in india they'll see it as a threat like they see that mm. as a threat. like this kid is from a third world country from uganda he's here making in our mm. country making the same amount mm. of money and they mm, use that mm. against you. And that's like the root cause of like, I, I don't know if I'll call it racism, but like just the hate that they have for you achieving that. Like you did the same training, you went to the same school, you qualified mm. to have mm. that position. It's not that mm. it's not that your boss picked you up. Oh, this is a, a kid from Uganda. He's a poor kid. Let me bring him and hire him. You went to school yes, for sir. that. You qualified yes. and get your license to do the job. So you worked yep. hard to be there. And that yep. I take that as an offense when somebody looks at you like that, like, hey, dude, I studied for this. I understand. You know, getting back, that's I understand what you're talking about, actually. But getting back to what you're saying, that they could Google. You see, I don't, I used to think they could, they should Google. But you see, it's white people who write Google. Oh, yeah. white people who update those services they just walk with the canon d5s take pictures <laughs> of the slums and put them yeah. there nobody shows you actually i have a post on my, my one of my travel website uh, my, my blog showing the uganda they never show you on tv mm-hmm. 
I was somewhere that was like, is this in Uganda? I was so shocked and I got so offended. I'm like, who feeds us information? That's where you doing this is so important. I can't mm-hmm. tell them to go Uganda. What are they going right. to see? Actually, that's right. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Things. What are they going to see? Yeah. What I do is I give them my blog. I'm like, check it out there. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Or even I just go. Me. They should go there and see. Then they will They're learn. They're so poor. Man, they're so poor. No, no, no. Trust me. Read books on finance. I love Dr. Uh, uh, Dev Ramsey. He just tells yeah, you seventy-five percent of Americans don't have even less than don't have more than they don't have. I, I want to quote him right. They don't have at least two hundred dollars in their bank accounts. No, that was in Uganda. No, it's in America. They they have less than a thousand dollars. So travel is expensive. You know, and sometimes people confuse it that just being white means you're rich. That's wrong, okay? So they don't have that access to, to travel, but still, you are the voice they have. Somehow, we have to do an extra, we have to go an extra mile. I remember I was in Malaysia in this uh, hotel and I entered, we're sharing the lobby and this white man caught everything he had. It's like, I cannot stand near a monkey. He walked away, I was like, You know, you just at the lobby with your backpack, camera, traveling. And you're there, so you have to do something. Mm-hmm. But you realize that you're the, you're the only African the mate ever met. How you handle such a situation. It's sad that you have to go the extra mile. It's sad, mm-hmm. but that's how it is. Yeah. We have to be nicer. It's sad, but we just mm-hmm. have to. to rep- because we represent a whole other people behind us. Right. And that's why I get it back. We are the representative they can see. They, they may not be able to, what they're gonna see on Google is a kid with a belly out. And that's mm-hmm. what Google shows you. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's, that's definitely so, right. I'm glad you corrected that. Um, Cause in my head, I mean, that's what I thought at least the least they can do. But you reminded me that even if they go to Google, it will still don't get the picture. So I don't know how, who's, I mean, unless they listen to our stories and bringing like African people who to talk about the stories and talk about things that are happening. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm really grateful that I've had you on the podcast to hear your opinion, like about different things and about different topics. And I feel like you're the kind of person who I would love to bring on certain topics and we just share like, what our opinions are and like sometimes we might have different opinions or like what like what you just say like i my minds were telling me to tell those people to go to google and google but then your minds were telling like even if you tell them they may google so something like that like just teaching each other and just learning from each other's uh perspective and what what we think so i really appreciate um and uh is there anything else that I've not asked you about? I mean, I, I, we could talk about anything, like a lot of things, but like, is there anything else like you would want to touch base on and you want to talk about that I've not at least touched on? Uh, of course, there's a lot we can talk about. It's an open question and it's a difficult one. Yeah. So you pick a topic. <laughs> No, I I won't pick a topic, but I'm just, Mm. oh yeah, I think something I've not talked about is Mm. 
your workout ethics, like your workout systems. Like I want to, I want to talk about mm-hmm. that. Like you, you like what keeps you motivated with the workouts? I, I follow your workouts too, and like, what what keeps you motivated? I I just got into a peloton, peloton bike, but they also have um, classes. Like on, you have instructors on the screen that helps you with body weights and um, lifting yeah. weights and all that. Like what what motivates you to do your workouts and what do you do like in a day yeah uh, thank you so i read a book the 5 a.m club it's a good book if you're reading read it uh another book by dr don Corbett, which said let book which is let book uh, let, let food be a medicine it's a good book but what really motivated me was the death of my dad and of course i was into health you know just because you can, we had the opportunity to have gyms and stuff. But when my dad died quite younger, he died at 63, that woke me up, you know, he woke me up. So that started driving me and I'm like, okay, I come from a family where people are American obese. And you know how Africa is. When people have some little money, they become fat. It's sad, but that's how it is. So that was a checker for me. I was like, okay, I don't want this to, to repeat in a certain way. So, and just wanting not something to repeat. Uh, in the book, uh, uh, the book by Dr. Sandra Dejala about um, the mountain of ignorance, he shows you that wishing doesn't change things, but getting informed decisions changes things and how things can be done. So I was like, I need the right information. So I realized if I wanna live up to a hundred, as I tell everyone, I need to make changes. So that pushed me into fitness. At first, when I was young, when in my 20s, I wanted to have a big body. Okay, look good. And that's what I thought looking good was. But I realized that fatness is a disease. So I had to cut however much I wanted to, to get a big body. I needed to be fit and to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And that motivates me. So the way I feel after working out, and it doesn't have to be a lot of working out. Of course, people want, it to, people want to get into, you know, the the little things you don't have to get into those details just do something okay right. just just getting up and walking for 30 minutes is enough that's it just mm-hmm. making because we you know how we work for example for me i work work on computers i, I still sad i don't want to do that all my life so mm-hmm. i need something that keeps me straight and motivated so working out is that and so much research is out there, how workouts help your mental health, how workouts <laughs> help your body. But yeah. the whole thing is all about living up to 100. That's my target. So if I'm going to live 100, I'm not going to be lazy. Right. So that motivates me. Yeah, I really like that. And um, that's something to think about, like when even when you have a family, like you want to be able to play with your kids whenever too like they, they grow and be able to do all different things for your kids. Because when you get a certain uh, situation in your life, you might not be able to do these things for your kids. And that's yeah. something to think about. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. that you talked about that. And um, it's something to motivate me. I need to get into it. I just want to be fit. Like my goal is just like you, like I'm not too big. I just want to be able to do what I can do, be able to like, do something yes, run sir. walk and and do something so yeah once yes, again sir. i will i will just uh, appreciate you i have a few questions uh that i ask towards the end one of it is like what has been your life lesson at this point in life 
Wow, that's a good question. I think one, what has been my life lesson is, one is, there've been many, but it's the world we see out there is good. I mean, talking about people, but family is more important. Yeah, and that still comes out of my dad's death. It's a lesson I've learned the harder way. My dad cared for the whole world. But that kind of took away, he, that took him away from me. And I've healed from that. That's why I can, you know, talk about it about freely. It, yeah. And so I realized that the best you can, the most important purpose I have is to be in my children's life, to impart my values, to be the best father ever they've ever seen and to be the best husband to my wife. And I think that comes with learning and letting go of your ego and reading so much, getting information, it's so important. Yeah. So I think that that's one lesson I've learned, learning never stops. Yes, sir. Yeah, learning never stops. And like the more knowledge you can get, please get it. It will help you. Uh, sharpen your brains and you as a person get a better understanding the other question yes, is kind of similar in the same line but what gets you excited about life <laughs> <laughs> what gets me excited about life first of all it comes from the book about R- ricky warren purpose driven life my dad gave it to me when oh, i was yeah, around 17 yeah. it, wo- it woke me up man it woke me up so i discovered that i'm a good motivator okay i discovered that because I could sell anything. Like we used to have those Nigerian movies and some movies are just <laughs> boring, okay? But when we went to exchange movies from our neighbors, I could sweet talk a movie and guys believe me. I was like, okay, I can either use this for good or for vice, okay? Mm-hmm. So for me, motivating other people and giving them hope really gets me. I, I get amazing stories from people who just watch your stuff and like, oh, I didn't know it was that. It was that nice, but you know, you realize that just waking up and being a source of joy, a source of hope. And since I'm in education, you know, I want to see those kids. Like, they call you, they call me teacher. They, they, they think I'm Obama, okay? Because that's the only black guy. <laughs> so, so, so they're like, oh, teacher Obama. So it's like they're just, they're just excited. This, these guys are happy. Thinking about black people being happy, just looking at them and giving them excitement because we've been in COVID, we've been online. But those kids get that 20 minutes before the class and that they're excited. And yeah. I thought everybody happy. I thought it happens to everybody, but you realize, oh, you talk to your colleagues and you're like, oh, okay, it's different. So that mm-hmm. gives me so much joy. I'm like waking up to inspire another person, to motivate another person. Wakes me up so happy, man. Yeah, I don't think there's yes, anything sir. that can can beat that. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. Um, so my final question, this is a second, no, it's not a second check question I ever asked, but my final question, like, who would you like to see on my podcast next? And um, you're going to help me get the person. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Wow. That's a hard question, by the way. You know that. Yeah. Do you know that? That's, that's, why, that's why I put it there. <laughs> <laughs> because So I'm going to give a general answer, okay? With what you're doing, man, it's so good, Bonnie. What you're doing is so good. Just bring out African voices, and they don't have to be big. They don't have to be, Mm -hmm. but just letting people share their story. Right, yeah. Man, even though you stop now, these episodes are going to stay there for life. That, thank you. 
So, thank you very much. Whatever you feel, who should be here next? Honestly, I don't know because there's a lot of guys doing amazing things. But I have a guy called Mr. Musinguzi. He makes beautiful YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah, he does traveling stuff. And I like it, by the way, because I'm into travel, so he excites me. And there's yeah. a lot of other people. I mean, I can't recommend enough. But I think that's the guy who has just clicked him out. Let's see. Let's. It's, it's funny because it's it. funny because I look at your videos and the way you produce your work. I'm like, hey, this guy does a very good job. Like, I really like. Oh, thank you. Presentations. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, I I won't say like, but I I try to look up to you like what the way you do your videos, the way you do your Instagram, and just because right now I'm the I do my videos, I do my uh, graphics, I do everything. Trying to teach myself. You're doing a good like, job. This is like a hobby, and like right now. Like you can see my background. People on the YouTube won't see this, but you can see I'm recording sure. my bedroom. Um, For sure. Because I have I have another angle camera on the side, but because they will see just the front of like this. Yeah. But but yes. like I record in my bedroom because I mean I'm we're trying we're buying a house probably today actually we'll put an offer on a house I'm buying a house today so hopefully hopefully congratulations bro but that's good i need uh, i want to i want to have my own room for just this like my studio when i was renting yeah. still i had my own room for my podcast it looked really good from the earlier episode but when i moved because i switched jobs and now yes. we live with somebody so you don't really have enough room but i still want to keep doing these videos so i had to be yes. creative and see yeah. how that but yeah i look up to your work and i see it's really good and Thank you for Thank doing you. that. And I tap in. And one thing I like is when I was making my podcast, I say we rise by lifting each other up. So when you lift me, I lift you and we both just rise. Instead of like, oh my God, this guy has a lot of followers. This guy has a lot of, I don't like him. Like I would just block, you know, you feel, people feel like it's a competition. Like I've had people look at me and like, oh, that's a competition. Oh, yeah. Not doing this. yeah. But I'm not in competition. I'm just trying to learn. I can use however support I have. But that's just... the disease all people have, man. And yeah, yeah. I'm sorry even to cut. For me, before then, around five years ago, I had like, I was, I was chasing the followers, you know. Mm -hmm. And being black, I travel, I mean, Singapore. And I get caught at the airport that scenario you know because you're black somehow yeah and I, I and i you know and they needed a certain amount of money on me immediately which i didn't have i had over thousands and thousands of friends on my instagram i text over 20 people that i nobody could lend me 50 dollars i was like wow wow i text over 100 dollars. nobody i was like wow this is wrong so that woke me up i'm like this is fake Mm-hmm. Exactly. I quit building that side. So even in my content, I'm not trying to be something no. Mm -hmm. It's for the people who want the knowledge, it's for people who want the yeah. wisdom. I'm not trying to be hype. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Just clapping for me. And we can't translate that into economics. It's mm -hmm. wrong, you know. Yeah. So I learned it the hard way. So whatever you're doing, if somebody gets time even to listen to your content, know they're mm -hmm. there because yeah. they are real so that's really good that's an like, encouragement man yeah it's been a blast to have you i don't know how many times i've said bye but i've really enjoyed this episode i'm glad i didn't Thank make any so much. any questions any 
pre questions. So we had this flowed really good. I liked having you, thank and you I so like much. I thank you for you sacrificing time to to just be here with me. And I know no, it's late you. there. Okay, so <clears> like, it's like you, nine. <laughs> yeah, it's nine. I'm just gonna go out and get something to eat. I'm on holiday, so I'm not at home. So yeah. it's different. Oh yeah, you. I remember I you told me. Yeah, you told yeah, me. Yeah, I, I just have to 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 find my way out of doing things. But you know, when you're black, you're the only black there. They're like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. somehow people are, people are nicer these days you know yeah and uh, before you go by though i was somewhere then a group of chinese in a big bus okay stopped and their tour guide told them that that guy is a movie star because i was black okay no <laughs> So I'm looking with my little camera and then this Chinese woman comes and stands next to me and the husband goes, takes a picture and the whole line of Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to be nice. I'm like, I don't want to cause a scene. Okay, you know? And I asked after them, what happened? The guy said, they thought you were a movie star. So I went to break. I was like, wow, this is good. This is good. This is a good way to represent us. But I don't know where they use those pictures for, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god um, that's funny. thank you but, yeah yeah thanks man thank you hey there i am bunny kibuka the host of the ugandan boy talk show thanks for watching my video and don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend tune in every saturday at 9 a.m eastern time for a new episode about my podcast and for more information about this podcast follow me on my instagram page talk and the score show and the score 256.